Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, man? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. On Tuesday, May 17th, Frank Sample joined by Scotty Dubs. Scott White, today on the show, we've got the bullpen report. Spend some more time on relievers. We'll rank a few. We'll talk about waiver wire. Normally, we just save it for the end of the podcast. We recap what's going on, but I thought it made sense to take a closer look. Of course, Scott has his bullpen report article coming out on Tuesday. Make sure to check that out. Johnny Cueto is back with a vengeance, and I have to apologize because I said multiple times on this podcast that Hansel Robles would never get another save, (laughs) and he snagged one on Monday. Yes, unfortunately, I do have him in a lineup. It's tough out here. It is tough to find saves, but anyway... Let's jump right in. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious, Scott. Who do you have from Monday night? Well, I want to talk about a player that we might not get much of a chance to talk about normally just because the in-season podcast tends to focus on players who are somewhat available, if not widely available. And this guy isn't. This guy has been a fantasy mainstay for years. But he's been better than ever this year, and that is... Uh, Wilson Contreras. <laughs> Forgot the name for a second. Wilson Contreras, the Cubs catcher, had a big game on Monday, hit his fifth home run, hit his seventh double, drove in four runs. And this performance is enough to move him to the top of the catcher heap for this year, at least in points leagues. He's he's moved ahead of Dalton Varsho with this performance. And uh, just having... A really good year. And, and what, what I think is most notable about it is, as you'd expect for the kind of production he's had, the hard hit rate, the average exit velocity, they're all up. They're, they're higher than we've ever seen from Wilson Contreras before. The strikeout rate is also the lowest we've seen from him. And I think most notable of all, the barrel rate is pretty normal for him. In fact, it's actually lower than last year. So he's managed to elevate his exit velocity and hard hit rate by as much as he has while still not making like the most premium form of contact any more often than in years past. So like his weaker forms of contact have caught up with his best forms of contact, which I think is interesting. Like he's just not hitting the ball weekly ever. Uh, and I, I wonder, I wonder if there's some kind of underlying change, like in, in terms of how much he's elevating the ball, that hasn't really changed. So I don't, you know, as far as I can tell in, in terms of that, 
you, you know, no, no signs of a, of a, of a swing change for Wilson Contreras, but it, I, I believe he's doing something different because yeah, I mean the, 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 like I said, exit velocity way up barrel rate, not that is interesting. And looking at his batted ball distribution, his infield fly ball rate is a career high 15.4%. It's 8% for his career. This is Wilson Contreras. We're talking about. So, as he, hopefully, if he starts to hit more line drives and fly balls, it could turn into even better production based on how hard he is hitting the ball. So uh, I would expect that that number to come down, the pop-ups to come down, because you know that's just basically who he's been in his career. And something else I've noticed recently, Scott, is he's DH'd six times this year, and in his career, he's been great as a DH, and that has also been the case this season He's batting 409 with two homers, a 1253 OPS in those six games as a DH. Yeah. So I think Maybe that's there's something, a I, mental thing going on there is just clear head, able to hit better. Yeah. I think it's something that's helped him. I know he's in a contract year as well. So if you subscribe to that theory, obviously playing for money, playing for a contract, literally. So uh, going out there and putting his uh, best foot forward, and Will Scutreras has been awesome. So. Yeah, I have quite a few shares and uh, happy that he is one of the only catchers that's hitting right now, along with Dalton Varsho, of course. Oh my goodness gracious, for me, not really much to add, but Freddie Peralta, I guess there's not really much to take away outside of it's good to see that he's finally coming around. A pitcher's duel in Milwaukee between the Braves and the Brewers on Monday night. Seven shutout innings for Freddie Peralta. He allows just three base runners and had 10 strikeouts to one walk, 16 swinging strikes on 102 pitches. And it was good to see that the slider was working for him because that's something that uh, was not working as well earlier on in the season for Freddie Peralta. And all of a sudden, Scott, He's got 48 strikeouts over 35 and two-thirds innings pitch. So that sounds a lot like the Freddie Peralta from last year. Slowly mm-hmm. lowering that ERA. It's down to 3.53. All the underlying numbers still look really, really good for Freddie Peralta. What'd you see on Monday night? Yeah, uh, that's five good starts in a row from him. Actually, only the second quality start during that stretch just because he hasn't been pitching deep into games very consistently. But... Really, it was just a rough first two outings that kind of gave him a crooked line. And, and as you said, the numbers, that, that line's starting to correct itself. And I think it'll continue. I think Freddie Peralta, there's not much reason to worry about him. All right. Bonafide top 20 starting pitcher. There's a few pitchers in that mix that, you know, we do have some concerns about. We talk about Shane Bieber all the time. Robbie Ray hopefully getting back on track. Same thing with uh, Freddie Peralta in this start. On the other side, Scott, someone we really don't talk about much, but... Ian Anderson has allowed three earned runs or fewer in five straight starts. And in this one, six innings, one run, only three strikeouts, two walks is actually a welcome sight for Ian Anderson. I just think that his lack of control, Scott, just really limits the upside for Ian Anderson. Four and a half walks per nine this season, 3.9 walks per nine for his career. And it's not like he has this crazy strikeout stuff where he can overcome those walks. Someone like a Robbie Ray, for example. So, I don't want to say that this is just who Ian Anderson is because he's still pretty young. You know, maybe the control gets better, but it seems like that's what's holding him back right now. Yeah, he's been in uh, in our uh, consciousness for a few years now, but he's only 24, so that is that is worth noting from a long-term perspective. But here's the thing. You, you mentioned the walks, 4.5 per nine. Obviously a bad rate. The strikeouts, 6.3 per nine. I mean... <laughs> 
that's not far off from a one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio from Ian Anderson. Both of those rates individually are bad. Mm-hmm. And historically, if you're going to raise the red flag for a pitcher like that, that is like the easiest reason to do that. Just neither the walks nor the strikeouts are, are where you'd expect them to be for the for where the ERA is. And he is a good ground ball pitcher, Anderson. But yeah, I mean, XFIP takes that into account. His XFIP's only 461. I think he should see some positive regression on the strikeouts, though, Scott, because he had a 13.3% swinging strike rate entering today, which would represent a career high for him. So it seems kind of yeah, fluky I mean, hope- that he's getting swings and misses, but the strikeouts haven't necessarily been there. Yeah, that is a good point. The whiff rate looks good independent of the strikeouts, but if the strikeouts don't come around, then it's going to be a problem. For sure. Uh, I think that's why I I believe we all have Ian Anderson ranked outside of our top 50 starting pitchers. Uh, Yeah, you have him down at 70. I have him at 62. So, yeah, even outside of our top 60 starting pitchers. For those reasons that we mentioned, a bonus, oh my goodness gracious, Noah Syndergaard <laughs> getting hit with all the regression in one start on Monday does not escape the first inning. He only records two outs. He gives up six runs, four of those earned, two walks, one strikeout. Did not have any of his secondary pitches in this start. You could tell by his uh, CSW called strike plus whiffs, only 24% in this start. Um, yeah, just not a good one for Syndergaard, Scott. And we were talking beforehand, you were thanking your lucky stars, or rather just thanking Chase Silseth because... If he wasn't in the rotation, you, you probably would have started Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, I mean, them keeping him around after that first good start meant, okay, they must be going six-man for this week, which means Noah Syndergaard won't be a two-star pitcher. Unfortunately, I mentioned on the podcast yesterday that I, I had removed him from my two-star pitcher rankings, so hopefully others like me benched Syndergaard for that reason. I noticed the two little ball indicators remained next to his name. Mm on the set lineup page of CBS, but hopefully you ignored that and listened to me instead and <laughs> sat him because yeah. I did and I'm glad. All right, let's talk about another two-star pitcher who looks like he's back on track. You say Kikuchi in the revenge game against the Seattle Mariners. Now three strong starts in a row. He, th- he goes six shutout innings, one hit, three walks, six strikeouts in this one, 11 swinging strikes on 90 pitches and that's now two starts in a row where he has not thrown his cutter. Now, that's according to Baseball Savant, and I also looked at Brooks Baseball, just kind of comparing his pitch usage by start. And Chris speculated last week that Kikuchi is now throwing a slider-cutter hybrid because the velocity has been up based on it being labeled a slider so far. So that could be the case. Either way, it's working for Kikuchi right now. Three straight starts with six-plus walks. Scott, do you think you say Kikuchi is back? You know, I think it's actually three starts in a row without a cutter for Kikuchi, which lines up exactly with this turnaround that he's experienced over his last three starts. Uh, it's, it's, let me find the exact numbers here because they're pretty impressive. Over, oops, I went the wrong direction here in my notes. All right, over his last three starts, Kikuchi has allowed three earned runs, only six hits in 15 and a third innings. And I looked at the numbers on both the cutter and slider for the season. The slider he's still throwing, but as you said, it might it might be a slightly different version of a slider now. And, and those are the pitches he was getting crushed on early on. Uh, the cutter specifically, which is the one we know he's eliminated, 
uh, batting average about 300, slugging about 600 against it. So it, you know, it, it, it stands to reason he's doing better without that pitch. Now, we have seen extreme swings in production from Kikuchi before. It's, it's funny, easy to forget, I should say, that he was an all-star last year. That's how good his first half was. And then by season's end, uh, the Mariners were... How did, he end up, how did he end up leaving the Mariners? They declined his option, right? Thinks, I think so. Either they declined it or he, it might have been a player option that he declined. You're right. It, yeah. it might have been a player option. I'll double-check that, but... Yeah, it wasn't looking good by season's end. Yeah, but yeah. now he's hopefully on the right track again. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point that you bring up. Obviously, you could try to sell Kikuchi because, again, there's these rapid swings in production. I don't think you're going to get anything for him. In fact, I would rather just look to add Kikuchi based on what he's doing. He's 69% rostered, still might be out there in some shallower leagues. Uh, last year, just a reminder, he had a 3.48 ERA and was an all-star. Uh, and then... In the second half of the season, I think he had maybe the highest qualified ERA. It was one of the worst in baseball. That mm-hmm. went up to 5.98 in the second half last year for Kikuchi. But right so, now, pitching so, well. So Kikuchi declined his own option. Yeah. Which, it, surprised, which surprised me because after the way he finished last year, I was thinking, yeah. can he be sure he's going to get $13 million out there? But he bet on himself, and and the Blue Jays bet on him, and... At least over the last three starts, it's working out for for everybody. Uh, all right, what do we do with these three starting pitchers? Uh, are we adding them? It's a very interesting list of names here. Johnny Cueto made his season debut for the Chicago White Sox, and he was great. He was like vintage Johnny Cueto in the start. Six shutout innings, two hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. He only had eight swinging strikes, but he was back at it doing all his theatrics on the mound. He was changing up... Uh, his delivery and how fast he's pitching and rocking that wiggle thing, rocking back and forth. Yeah, it's awesome. I I love watching Johnny Cueto. He he is just amazing. But uh, he threw his slider in the start. I realized forty percent of the time. And according to Brooks Baseball, that is the most he's thrown it in a start since twenty seventeen. So last <laughs> year it was just twenty three percent, and and it worked for for Johnny Cueto. So he's six percent rostered. The other names here: Scott Wade Miley, an awesome start against the Pirates. Yes, it's the Pirates, but uh, you can only pitch who's on the schedule. And he was great. Seven shutout, one hit, six strikeouts in that one. And then Alex Fajardo, another solid start, Scott. Now three in a row, two earned runs or fewer. And he gives up one run over five and two-thirds with four strikeouts. Scott, what do we do with these three? Fajardo, Wade Miley, Johnny Cueto. Well, the most exciting is Fajardo, as I mentioned after his last start. In that one, he had 17 swinging strikes, 10 of them on the slider that's earned such high marks for him in the minors. In this one, Fajardo, gosh, okay, there he is. (laughs) Having trouble navigating my notes today, sorry. In this one, Fajardo had 14 swinging strikes, eight on the slider. So it was, again, a very effective pitch for him. And he did it against the Rays this time. Last time was against the A's, this time against the Rays. So opposite ends of the spectrum there in, in terms of quality of the opponent. And uh, he he continued to pitch well. So I hope he sticks around. I have more confidence in Fajardo at this point than either Casey Mize or Matt Manning, who are the two working their way back from injury. We'll see if the Tigers feel the same. But that would be the only reason I'm reluctant to pick him up. Like, I would I would pick Fajardo up, I think, even over Kikuchi, if not. Like, if, I, if, if he was guaranteed a rotation spot, 
I think uh, I think I would. I'm pretty excited about him. And why wouldn't he, right? So Roster Resource has four pitchers in the rotation right now for the Tigers. There's a chance that Matt Manning returns later this week. I know he's been on a rehab assignment. Casey Mize has been the opposite. They actually slowed down his rehab. So even if Matt Manning returns, like Bo Brisky is in the rotation right now for the Tigers. Uh, true. Why can't Alex Fiedo stick around? He's he's been really yeah. good so far. So I mean, they sent him down after that last start, but but uh, hopefully hopefully they won't this time. Yeah, Wade Miley's pretty interesting too. I mean, Wade Miley had 12 wins and a 3.37 ERA last year. It was, you know, he he kind of collapsed down the stretch, but he sustained. He, Mixed league viability for a long time. It's a good ground ball pitcher. It's been in the league a long time and, and and managed to be good enough to keep his job anyway. I did add him to my 10 sleeper pitchers for this week once it became on Sunday when when he um, gained two-start status and Martin Perez lost it. I switched those two. Didn't mention it on the podcast, but hopefully you checked the article when I updated it Sunday. Because Wade Miley was on there, and he delivered five walks in his first start back. Looked pretty shaky, but seven one-hit innings in this start looked more like the guy we saw last year. Limited upside, but he's gonna be he's gonna be a streamable option for as long as he's healthy. I think. All right, fair enough. Let's move over to some hitters. I saw a YouTube comments got yesterday that someone yelled at us because all we do is talk about pitching, which. Admittedly, we do talk a lot about pitching because I feel like there's just so many details to look at one night to the next and looking at pitch mix and velocity and all this fun stuff. But you're right. We could talk about pitchers, uh, hitters more. And let's do that. Let's take a look at some uh, waiver wire hitters from Monday night who stood out. Avisael Garcia is heating up. He went two for four, hit his third home run over his last seven games. He's batting 370, two homers, one steal. 57% rostered. A few other names. Ian Happ went three for three with a walk, two runs, an RBI. He's now batting 282 overall. Anthony Santander had a double dong, one from each side of the plate. Also hit one of those off of Aroldis Chapman. Uh, the problem, he's batting just 233, so the batting average is kind of plummeting here for Santander. Uh, Scott, any interest in these three? Avisael Garcia, Ian Happ, Santander. I'm interested in Happ. He is having one of his best seasons and I'm surprised his roster rate isn't higher. I feel like I'm always putting him in the, the top 10 sleeper hitters, including for this week and uh, career best strikeout rate. So that's a good sign. He runs a little bit good power hitters, long track record of hitting for power at this point. And uh, yeah, I think he deserves to be rostered. The other two, you know, obviously Garcia, I didn't think, Miami was going to be a good venue for him. He doesn't put the ball in the air that much. His, his ground ball rate is actually higher even than usual this year. Uh, so, you know, good in his last seven games, but I, I just don't think there's enough upside in his uh, in his environment where he is right now. I, I a little more interested in, in Santander. He has shown good power in the past. He puts the ball in the air a lot. He was walking a ton earlier in the year. And that was notable because he like the biggest blemish on his track record, other than I guess health, is that he never walks at all. And so he went from this low OBP guy to this high OBP guy 
in April. But things have turned around predictably in May. Three walks so far in May for Anthony Santander. That's more like what we're used to seeing from him. And I think he's going to remain pretty fringy at the end of the day if he manages to stay healthy. I noticed the same thing, Scott. I mean, the plate discipline has been awesome for Ian Happ. I think he's making a conscious effort to make more contact. And as a result, there, we've seen a lot of ground balls. So maybe not kind of like selling, selling out for power and trying to lift the ball. But I think that would be the next progression is if Ian Happ can find a way to make contact, but also put it in the air so we can get a little bit more power out of him. He's only got two home runs so far on the season. A few hitters for uh, specific categories for speed. I mentioned the name yesterday, Eli White. Two for five with two RBI, added his eight stolen base on Monday. He's now batting 256. He strikes out quite a bit. I noticed he also has a 16% walk rate so far this season. So he's got a 373 on base percentage. And he is fast. According to StatCast, 100th percentile in spin sp- uh, sprint speed for Eli White. The Rangers are very aggressive on the base pass. He's let off three straight games. So... 5% rostered for those in deeper leagues. If you need steals, Eli White is the name. Uh, and then if you need batting average, Jonathan Daza, nine-game hitting streak, including three straight multi-hit games. He's batting 391. It's kind of empty batting average. He's got all these games in course Field this week. So it's got any interest there. Um, deeper leagues, you know, if you need this specific category, but Eli White and Jonathan Daza. A little more in White, just because steal specialists, uh, I think, are a little easier to work into a roto lineup. But in general, I don't like using category specialists. That's more that's more of a fallback play than than something you aim to do from the beginning. Of course, it's not the beginning anymore. It's midseason. So if you do need those steals, Eli White, sure, you could look into using him. Just a name to watch for now, Willie Castro with the uh, Tigers. He went two for four. He's now batting 353. His strikeout rate is way down. He's hitting a bunch of line drives. His XBA is 380. Just the deepest of leagues, but name to watch there, Willie Castro. It's got some struggling hitters in May. Let's bounce around a little bit here. We have not talked about Javier Baez seemingly all season. He went 0 for 3. He's betting 210 overall, 576 OPS. He was okay in April, but now he's really cratered. And I noticed the ground ball rate is way up. Uh, home run to fly ball ratio is way down. Uh, do you have faith in Javier Baez getting back on track his first year in Detroit? Yeah, I remember he missed a lot of time with injuries, almost two weeks in April. So he's only played 26 games. I guess this was number 27 today. And, you know, obviously anyone with his track record deserves more time than that to to get his numbers on track. So, yeah, there's there's a lot underneath there not to like I, I just don't even think it's worth looking into yet I think just you know who Javier Baez is and more likely than not he's going to get back to being that okay do you think he's droppable in a points league Scott maybe I mean I don't know how well what kind of second baseman or shortstop you can pick up it's not like the waiver wire is abounding and exciting hitters you know those they've been much harder to find than, than pitchers at least so far this year mm-hmm I guess, you know, who were we talking about yesterday? Brendan Rodgers? Yeah. Would you do that? Uh, no, I don't think I would. <laughs> I don't think I would. Because Brendan Rodgers, as much as I like him, he's not a big walks guy. And that's that's why Bias suffers in points leagues, because he's not a big walks guy either. Yeah. So I think I'd just stick with Bias. All right. Uh, I noticed in our podcast points league, Gene Segura was a free agent. 
and I spent, I think, $8 out of our $100 budget, which is aggressive, but we need hitters right now. So I, I picked up Gene Segura. I threw him in my utility spot just because he is crushing it right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if, if I think he's over 80% rostered as Segura. Yeah. But if he happens to be rostered in your league, like I wouldn't mind picking him up and starting him over Baez till Baez gets going. But in the long run, I still think Baez is going to be better. Sure. Uh, Wander Franco, really scuffling here in May. He's batting 228, zero homers, zero steals, a 496 OPS. I noticed the strikeout to walk rate is fine. Uh, what stood out most, Scott, is the the pop-up rate, infield fly ball, 21% in May for Wander Franco, 5% in April. So seems like that's something that can crater BABIP within one month, which is obviously a very small sample size. I don't see much to worry about for Franco. The hard contact is down. It was 48% in April. It's only 33% for Wander Franco. It's his first full season, so we're probably still going to see some ups and downs. Obviously, April was awesome. Four homers, three steals, and obviously zero in both of those categories so far here uh, in May. But I think we both still have a ton of confidence there. Yasmani Grandal, Scott, two for five, hit his sixth uh, second home run. I, I wish he had six home runs right now. Uh, second home run for Grandal on Monday, and he's batting just 176. The quality of contact is down compared to last year just because Grandal crushed the ball last season. Like One of the best hitters in terms of impacting the ball. But it's in line with what he did in 2020 and 2019. So what are you seeing here, Scott? Do you, do you have faith in Grandal getting back on track? He's you know, a little bit older now. I do. I do just because, I mean, there was a time early last year when it looked like it was time to give up on him. He was batting under 200 when he had the knee surgery and uh, obviously ended up with his best numbers ever once he came back. So I just think it's too early. And I, I know we cite things like exit velocity and, and, and hard hit rate and quality of contact and all that stuff, whether it's up or down because it gives us a little more to bite into. But, you know, if a, if a player is underperforming, generally speaking, those numbers are going to be down. And I don't think it necessarily means that that's the new normal. I just think it means he's he's uh, due to heat up, and, and hopefully this home run for Grandal on Monday is enough to get him going. I don't know if this will make you feel better, but just for reference... Uh, on May 17th last year, Yasmani Grandal was batting 132. So, yep. Sounds right. Yeah. He's he's bad. a streaky hitter. It's colder yep. in the early months, especially in Chicago. So, go ahead, Scott. Let me see if I can, because you're talking about struggling hitters in May. Offense is up in May. Offense is up in May. And remember when we talked about it just a week ago, you were saying it wasn't up in May, and now it's a now it's up in May. So it, it was a good last week for offense. In fact, you tweeted this out earlier today. The home run to fly ball rate just in the past week was was twelve percent. That's compared to ten percent in April. And I wasn't expecting the home run to fly ball rate to change as much as things like BABIP and and batting average uh, as we got into the warmer months. But that's that's pretty big change. 10 to 12%. 12% yeah. isn't as good as we saw during the juice ball era, and I'm going to include last year with that. But it's better than we saw prior to the juice ball era. So, you know, I, I don't think we're in this, like, uh, historically 
dead ball time. You know, it's it's deader than we're used to, those of us who've gotten used to the past five years, five, six years. But it's, historically speaking, it's not looking that way. Yeah, um, it's, it's, now all, I, it's all about perspective, Scott, really, because, again, I, and I know you've cited this before, offense this year looks a lot like just before the juice ball. So it's it's just that we have that in our head, and that's what we're used to, so... Yeah, well, and and hitters kind of geared their swings for for the juice ball. The whole remember the whole fly ball revolution thing. That's what yeah. it was all about. And and now fly balls aren't going to be as lucrative, so they're going to have to kind of adjust back to that. Plus, strikeouts are higher than they were pre juice ball because strikeouts have been going up for a while now. Though they're they're down this year from previous years. Uh, but so there's reasons offense offense is struggling beyond just the the home runs directly. But the point is it's getting better. And and some examples, some individual examples of it getting better, Josh Donaldson, you know, hasn't been that productive this year. Three home runs in his last five games. For the month of May, he's batting 311 with a 960 OPS. Bo Bichette had a big game today, three hits and a home run, but bad numbers overall. In May, he's batting 304 with an 861 OPS. Uh, I thought I had a couple other examples here. I have a few, Scott, that are also okay, performing well in May. Gene Segura, I wrote down, has seen a huge jump compared to April. Trey Mancini has been much better. Brennan Rogers, we talk a lot about. Colton Wong is having a huge month so far. Cedric Mullins, back on track. He's betting. Uh, he was betting over 300 in May, entering today. And Giancarlo Stanton having a big month as well. So just an example of you know some hitters there, the ones you mentioned. And hopefully it catches on with the rest of the league. So we can... Uh, get more offense in general. Okay, so this isn't May, but Jorge Soler was the other one I had jotted down here. Past nine games, 303 with four home runs. You love to see it. What you don't love to see is what's going on with Seiya Suzuki right now, Scott. This is the last one I'll ask you about struggling hitters for this month. And so far in May, he's batting 211, zero homers, zero steals. In fact, two caught stealing. Strikeout rate is 33%. I think we were kind of spoiled, Scott, and, and, and especially it was under a microscope because, again, no one was hitting in April except for Seiya Suzuki, and now it's kind of been the reverse. So, um, you know, there's going to be a uh, a transition period here, I, I think, but he's also been dealing with injuries. So I still like the player overall, Seiya Suzuki. Yeah, it was interesting how because you'd expect him to struggle at first, not just because the entire league was struggling, because it's a difficult transition, and he, he didn't even get a full spring training. And... Uh, yeah, he, he clearly hit the ground running, and I think we're all pretty excited. But, yeah, I think he'll eventually come around. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop him or anything like that. Yes, and do not drop uh, or think about, I guess, benching Trevor Story, because if you bench Trevor Story when he's cold, then you miss out on what he did on Monday night. One for three with a sock and a shoe, his second home run, his fourth stolen base. It was actually his first homer in Fenway. So, again, he's the first year out of Coors Field, it's... It's taking more time than we would like, but hopefully this is a sign of things to come for Trevor Story. Keep him in your lineups. Before we take a break, I want to remind you to join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. Really fun community. Lots of questions being asked, waiver wire, trade questions, grade the trade, dynasty, keeper. Uh, so lots of fun. And if you want to interact with other listeners to the podcast, uh, then you can join our Facebook group. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. We'll take a quick break and be back right after this. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The news and notes. Ronald Acuna was out of the lineup again on Monday with that groin issue, but is likely to play on Tuesday, so... Hopefully that is the case, and hopefully you kept him in your lineups. Brandon Lau was placed on the IL with a lower back issue, which really came out of nowhere. Maybe it's the reason for his struggles. Vidal Brujan started at second base and is a name to watch. Obviously, big prospect, hasn't performed yet, but getting an opportunity to play now. Jordan Romano was not available to pitch on Monday because of a non-COVID illness. He is day-to-day. Adam Simber recorded the final two outs for his second save of the season. Lucas Giolito could return from the COVID IL and pitch either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I, tr- I tried to get Giolito in after I saw this, Scott, and the White Sox game had already started, so unfortunately... I will miss out on a Giolito start this week. Chris Bryant is expected to return from the IL on Friday. Willie Adamas was out of the lineup Monday with that ankle sprain and could require a trip to the injured list. Carlos Correa should return during the season, during well, hopefully during the season, but during the series against the Oakland A's. And Scott, I don't know. I think Royce Lewis might have heard because uh, he had a pretty good game on Monday. If I saw correctly, yeah, one for three with a walk, two runs scored. Solid game, a double. So he, he wants to stick around. They had Nick Gordon in left field, someone named uh, Celestino in right field, Gil, Gilberto Celestino. So come on, let's get Royce Lewis out there, play a corner outfield spot, and Carlos Correa at shortstop. And All is well. Everyone's happy. Let's make it happen. Uh, Chris Sale resumed playing catch on Monday. He's eligible to return from the 60-day IL in early June, but it's not yet known if he will be ready uh, when he's first eligible to return. Jeremy Pena was out of the lineup for a fourth trade game on Monday with a sore right knee. He went through on-field workouts before the game but was not cleared 
for action. The Reds are hopeful that Joey Votto will be able to return this Friday. Mitch Garver is starting a rehab assignment on Tuesday. He's on the IL with a right flexor sprain. Drew Steckenrider was placed on the restricted list Monday as the Mariners play in Toronto. So it sounds like a vaccination issue there. Sheldon Noisy has missed two straight games with groin tightness. Jorge Mateo out of the lineup Monday, but could return Tuesday or Wednesday. Jacob Rizzi, scary sight on Monday. He's been pitching really well, too. Uh, he left the start. He had to be stretchered off the field, some kind of leg injury. I haven't seen any details yet on it, but does not look good for Jacob Rizzi. Yeah, it, it was a little reminiscent of Mike Soroka, to be honest. Yeah. So I fear that's a season ender for Odorizzi. Uh, the upside for fantasy is that Christian Javier would presumably have a, a full-time rotation spot at that point. I know his last start was awful, but his track record is good. And I would call a must-add if, if Odorizzi is out for an extended period of time. Yeah, I, I like Javier too. I know he got roughed up in his most recent start, but for the most part, he's been really good when he pitches and gets the run support of the Houston Astros. Again, the name there, Christian Javier. Let's pay attention. Nick Martinez will move to the bullpen with Blake Snell returning. I also read that Mackenzie Gore will be skipped this week and will likely be used out of the bullpen to be kept fresh. And this is part of the issue, Scott, and, and why I thought Mackenzie Gore was maybe a sell high a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think they're going to be really cautious with Mackenzie Gore's workload this season. How are you handling this? Yeah. Well, he might be in the Aaron Ashby role now where he's, you know, if they want everybody to get a, a, to start every sixth day, basically, he'll be in the rotation as days off allows. But, but if, if the days off line up, so, you know, people get six days off even without that sixth starter, then he'll work out of the bullpen. So he'll be in this kind of swingman role is my guess. I like to hear that he's ahead of Nick Martinez in the pecking order because, of course, all it takes is one other injury in the Padres rotation, and and then Mackenzie Gore is back to having a a full time rotation spot. So I wouldn't be looking to drop him or anything. But yeah, you're going to have to pay attention to when his starts actually line up at this point. Andrew Heaney could begin throwing bullpen sessions this week. He's on the IL with shoulder inflammation, seventy two percent rostered. I think he's someone that you should continue to stash if you have IL spots. Giants outfielder Luis Gonzalez was optioned to AAA to make room for Tommy LaStella, who was activated and in the lineup on Monday. Scott, I don't know why the Giant the Giants keep doing this. I think that this is their latest we're smarter than everybody else kind of thing that they're doing. But LaStella started the game. He went 0 for 1, and then Darren Ruff pinch hit for him again like they've been doing with Darren Ruff and yeah. and Ruff got two hits with two runs scored. It's it's just weird because you don't know when Darren Ruff's going to play, but he's been playing, he's just not starting. It's it's such a weird thing. This is the latest Gabe Kapler hates us. Yes, I think so. Thing that the Giants are doing. Yep. I would say. And you know, I mean I mean a lot of people are probably like who cares about Darren Ruff? He's only 10 to 15% rostered, and fair enough, but he was great in a part-time role last year. He seems to be heating up this year. He was getting regular bats earlier in the year, and he's sort of getting regular bats now, just not regular starts. So it's uh, 
It's hard to know what to make of that. Yeah. I mean, they only have a four man bench, so I don't know. Like they're stretching, they're, they're, they're making themselves vulnerable to injuries or having to play like a position, uh, a pitcher in the field, you know, if, uh, by, re- by replacing their starters so early. It's, it's very odd. Uh, but for the month of May, I know you mentioned, yeah, who cares about Darren Ruff, but in May he's hitting 361, one homer, one steal, 977 OPS. So he's hitting. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> just we don't know when he's going to be hitting. That's Darren Ruff. Anthony DeScalfani was transferred to the 60-day IL with that right ankle injury. Sixto Sanchez was cleared Monday to increase his throwing distance off flat ground to 90 feet. He is dealing with that shoulder injury for the past two seasons. Do we need to stash Sixto Sanchez, Scott? No. No. And you probably don't need to stash, but worth noting, Michael Conforto will look to sign a contract after the 2022 MLB draft and could potentially return as a hitter in September. He had shoulder surgery back in April. The bullpen report. What is going on with saves so far this season? Well, there's been 274 total saves that's entering Monday Monday's action, 92 different relievers with a save thus far, three with double-digit saves. And at about the same point last season, there were 262 total saves, so actually more saves so far this season, Uh, 87 different relievers. So there's more relievers with a save this year. Great, fun, more committees. And uh, four with double-digit saves at this point last year. So uh, that's about the same so far. Uh, but let's take a look at ranking Scott. I'm going to like try and tier some of these relievers and hopefully help people figure out because I've been getting a lot of reliever questions recently. We all have the top same top 11 right now in, in our rankings. Me, you and Chris top two. No surprise. Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks. Uh, but have you had any concerns with Hendricks? Scott? We haven't talked about him recently. 4.70 ERA, 1.43 whip. Uh, anything there to worry about? I, I keep expecting him to just go on a run, put his early season struggles behind him, and and just the numbers to very quickly correct themselves. But he keeps having these blips that keep his ZRA high, and and he looks great next time out. Like he he struck out the side for the save in tonight's game, I believe. So you know, and a lot of the underlying numbers look fine. I haven't been motivated to drop him out of that top two. But it is frustrating. It is frustrating that it, the lack of consistency from him so far. All right. So, again, top two, Hayter and Hendricks. The next five in some order, Rysel Iglesias, Edwin Diaz, Jordan Romano, Emmanuel Class A, Kenley Jansen. I think that all makes a ton of sense. These are pitchers who are established. They have the role. And so far, they've been pretty good. Uh, or even for Romano, he's been awesome. Rounding out that top 11, we have Craig Kimbrell, Aroldis Chapman, Taylor Rogers, and Ryan Presley. Some interesting names here, Scott. Uh, Kimbrell only has five saves. He's actually in for a save right now as we are recording this and just gave up a two-run homer to David Peralta in a three-run oh, game. On. So uh, he still could get the save, but it's been kind of frustrating for Kimbrell. Uh, Ryan Presley, the fastball velocity has been down all season. And Chapman, Arolis Chapman, he's a name to watch too. The strikeouts are down. Obviously, the walks are always an issue. And there are some good pitchers in that Yankee bullpen. Clay Holmes has been great so far this year. Uh, Scott, anything you'd like to add on Kimbrell, Ryan Presley, and Aroldis Chapman? I wouldn't worry about Kimbrell. He's hardly gotten to pitch. I, I think the Dodgers are just winning by too much. 
yeah when they when they win but that's not going to be the sort of thing that 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 happened like june and july could be very different like i expect kimbrel to at some point have a a two week stretch where he gets like seven saves you know mm-hmm. uh cuz that's just that's how all these counting stat work, stats work they're not evenly distributed from week to week to week they they can come in bunches and there can be droughts and i think it's just been a drought for kimbrel so far but we've seen you know kenley jansen had has had no trouble had, had, during his time with the Dodgers, during his recent years with the Dodgers. He had no trouble accumulating a big saves total, and I expect that'll be the same for Kimbrel, provided he pitches well, which, you know, hasn't, hasn't been a sure thing with him the past couple of years. I am worried about Presley. I'm worried enough about Presley with the velocity being down that in – some of those leagues, like those 15-team Roto leagues we talk about all the time where saves are especially scarce, I would I, I would like to stash away Rafael Montero, who was filling in for Presley when he was on the IL and, and did a fine job. And I think he would be in line to, to claim Presley's save chances if Presley were to stumble. The next tier, and this is all kind of subjective. We could talk it out, Scott. Maybe there's someone in a later tier that should be moved up, but... Let's talk it out. Corey Knebel, uh, Andrew Kittredge, Daniel Bard, Camilo Duvall, and Giovanni Gallegos. Camilo Duvall actually picked up his sixth save of the season on Monday night, um, but he had just one save since April 26th before that, so just not really a lot of opportunities. Jake McGee is on the IL. Duvall is the guy. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos has the last two saves for the Cardinals. He has six total compared to just one for Ryan Helsley. Tampa Bay... They're, they're kind of doing some Tampa Bay things right now, Scott. I mean, Kittredge has been, he's been solid. Uh, he's got five saves. He gave up a solo home run in a tie game on Monday. He wound up taking the loss in that game. But, you know, Brooks Raley has been involved. Jason Adam is someone I noticed has really, really good numbers in that bullpen. What do you think about uh, Knable, Kittredge, Bard, Doval, Giovanni Gallegos? Yeah, so this is the stretch of closers who... We feel pretty confident or in the role, but that we obviously don't have the same level of trust in them as the previous group. And I think I think they all belong here. You didn't mention Melanson, right? He's he's got no his own issues that I'm sure we'll talk about. <laughs> oh, we will. Um, yeah, Kittredge, he's the most he's the one we're most unsure about, and. Yeah, the Rays are doing Rays things where each of their last three saves have gone to three different relievers, the ones you mentioned, Kittredge, Rayleigh, and Jason Adam. I I think Kittredge is still like the top guy for Kevin Cash, the leverage guy. And usually he's going to be worth using in the ninth inning, but there are times when Cash would rather use him earlier for whatever reason. And so that's why we see Brooks Rayleigh with three saves, one less than Kittredge. And could Jason Adam get in the mix there? Yeah, it could. Uh, the number specifically 117 ERA, 0.52 WHIP, 11.7 K per nine, from a guy without much of a track record of dominance. So who knows if it'll last? But the Rays do have a tendency to, you know, find these hidden reliever gems and and turn them into dominant. I mean, Kittredge himself fits into that category, right? So yeah, I think Kittredge is still the guy to to have here. 
but I I don't know that you can count on him even having 20 saves. You know, the way you can for some of these other guys ranked around him. All right, let's move over to the next tier, which includes David Robertson, who is still the Cubs closer, but he's been on the COVID IL for the past week or so. Uh, David Bednar has been fantastic, has the last six saves for the Pirates. Uh, Gregory Soto has not been fantastic. He's walking almost seven batters per nine innings pitched. And then we have the two Barlows here. Joe Barlow, who's actually pitched well for the Rangers, and then Scott Barlow, who seems like he's kind of settling into that role for the Royals. Scott, I would argue that David Bednar could be in the previous tier and maybe even at the front of that tier with how well he's yeah. pitched. Yeah. yeah, I'll be moving him up for sure. I think he has... I, I think he and Scott Barlow both, remember, they were in what seemed like closing tandems at the start of the year. Jace, Josh Stallman actually got the Royals' first two saves before Barlow even got one. But Barlow's gotten all of them since, or, or at least Stallman hasn't gotten any, and Barlow's gotten four. Bednar, you know, it was the same sort of thing with Stratton. Stratton got two of the first three saves for the Pirates, but Bednar's gotten all of them since. And I think in terms of, the other stats that these two have distanced themselves from their competition too, especially Bednar. I mean, Bednar looks like a top flight closer. He's on a bad team, but 12.5 K per nine. He has a, a one ERA, a 0.61 whip. Yeah. And he's been a top 10 reliever in fantasy so far, even losing those two saves to Stratton early and even pitching for a bad team. So, He's available in about a third of CBS Sports League still, and I that has to change. Bednar's stock is definitely on the rise here. All right, let's move on. This next group are 60% rostered or less in CBS. So now I'm just ranking them in terms of their roster rate, which this group is, is pretty dicey. So you got Jorge Lopez with the Orioles, Mark Melanson, which apparently his role is being evaluated by the Diamondbacks right now, and rightfully so. He has more walks than strikeouts on the season. Danny Jimenez with the Oakland A's, Yohan Duran, who's 50% rostered, and then Ryan Helsley. Scott, this is such an interesting group because you have closers-ish. You have guys who I, I would not label as closers, but have really good ratios and, and strikeouts in, in Duran and, and Helsley. So it's an interesting group. What do we do with this? Yeah, it is kind of a mishmash here. Melanson... Look, the, the Diamondbacks obviously still want him to close. It's been a really rough May. He's in the first year of a multi-year deal, so they want him to close. Uh, they're going to give him a mental break, was what's was reported today, with the idea of moving him back into the role. I, I, gosh, I never know how to say his name. Tori Lavulo. Lavulo? Yeah. Yeah, the Diamondbacks manager, Tori Lavulo. He thinks maybe he asked too much of Melanson coming back from a, a stint with COVID. Because remember, he he had an ERA just over one before he went on the COVID IL. And he's, after that is when he's gotten crushed. So I wouldn't be dropping Melanson unless it's a shallow league where there are closers on waivers all the time. I think he's still the long-term the guy to have for the Diamondbacks. Uh, Soto, we, we mentioned Will Vest on yesterday's show. He got that two-out save on Friday, I believe it was, and has been the Tigers' best reliever this year. Soto has now gotten two saves since then. So 
it doesn't look like his job's on the rocks yet, but he, he has control issues, and I don't think it would take much. As long as Will Vest keeps pitching well, I think Vest is at least leapfrog Michael Fulmer as the backup closer. Fulmer's velocity's been down all year. So just like I was saying, Rafael Montero might be a reliever to stash where saves are scarce. Will Vest might be as well, as hopefully the heir apparent to Soto uh, let's see. Who else did you mention? Oh, Helsley. Helsley. Gosh, he got that save two weeks ago at this point. You know how many games he's pitched in since he got that save? I two. Think, yeah, I was going to say one or two. Two in two weeks. I don't know. Whoa, I haven't seen anything to say he was unavailable. Meanwhile, during that time, Giovanni Gallegos has gotten two saves. So I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how usable Helsley is in fantasy, as good as his numbers are. Yeah, I think he's someone you want in those deeper 15-team leagues just because the ratios and the strikeouts are awesome, too. And a 12-teamer, eh, I wouldn't want to drop him, but I don't know how many saves Ryan Helsley is going to get. Scott, how would you rank this next group if you need saves? Emilio Pagan, 39% rostered. Tanner Rainey, 37%. Anthony Bender, 36%. And Dylan Floro, 35%. So we've got two Marlins relievers in here. And frankly... Anthony Bass has been the best reliever for them this season. Uh, and then you've got Tanner Rainey and Pagan. How would you rank those four? I think I would go Tanner Rainey one. His numbers are Maybe. actually fantastic this year. He only has three saves because the Nationals stink. Right. And that's the hesitation. But like Emilio Pagan seems like the easy answer because he's he has five saves. And appears to be the the favorite for saves, but he has about a walk per inning. He historically, he, he gave up 16 home runs last year as a reliever. He's had problems keeping the ball in the park. I, I just don't know how long he, he's going to last in this role, especially when they got Yoan Duran, who, you know, is hitting like 103 and his numbers are fantastic. He's clearly the best reliever in the Twins bullpen, and I think Pagan needs to be looking over his shoulder at him. So I think I'd give the edge to Rainey. I don't know how many saves he's going to get, and I don't really trust him completely either. But there isn't an obvious replacement there like there is with the Twins. Uh, Who else did you mention? The Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins. I don't know what the Marlins are going to (laughs) do. Dylan Dylan Ford... Floral has looked terrible since he's returned. Right, and his velocity's down. Bender hasn't looked great. Obviously, his two blown saves, three losses already. The Marlins, first first of all, the Marlins only have gotten one save chance in all of May, so that's part of the reason we don't know what's going on. And it was it went to Bender. He blew it on May 4th. So they don't have a save, like a converted save the whole month. Since then, Bender has worked the seventh inning once. He's worked the sixth inning once. They they're not they haven't they're not necessarily using him in a way that suggests oh yeah he's still our closer but it doesn't look like Floro deserves that shot they have some pretty good relievers otherwise you mentioned Bass Cole Sulcer Tanner Scott has been kind of shaky but he, he's got a lot of strikeouts so uh, they have options I I don't like Don Mattingly has never been the sort to to use a committee. And so like it wouldn't surprise me if he just sticks with Bender, but Bender's usage has been weird lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the teams that I have kind of up in the air right now, Scott. The Cincinnati Reds, 
The Marlins, as we just talked about, the Red Sox on Monday, Hansel Robles picked up the save. Uh, Matt Strom recorded the five outs before that, and he looked great. I think he had two or three strikeouts. The Mariners, you know, it's Paul Seawald, and it's Steckenrider when he's there, and, and Diego Castillo. Uh, and the Rays, too, which we mentioned, they've kind of been mixing and matching. I think some spec ads right now in deeper leagues, Alexis Diaz with the Cincinnati Reds, Scott. I mentioned the numbers are awesome. You told me he's Edwin Diaz's brother, so let's go. That would be awesome. Uh, Brooks Raley with Tampa Bay, Will Vest, Ian Kennedy with the Diamondbacks, and uh, the aforementioned Anthony Bass with the Miami Marlins. If you need holds, these are the holds leaders so far. Ryan Tapera. Uh, Devin Williams, Drew Smith with the New York Mets, Kendall Graveman, Brad Boxberger, Jake Diekman, and Jose Ruiz. If you need big strikeouts and holds, a few names that stood out. A.J. Minter, Zach Jackson, and Eric Swanson. Pitching leftovers, I wanted to mention a few names. Scott, get your thoughts here. Corey Kluber, a nice bounce back after he got crushed in his most recent start. He went six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. Sandy Alcantara, two straight starts of at least seven innings. Uh, he went eight in this one. He gave up one run, only five strikeouts. He actually had a rough first inning and, and then bounced back, so that was nice to see. Luis Severino turns in his first quality start of the season. Six innings, one hit, one run, seven strikeouts. And then Tony Gonsolin with a strong start at home against the Diamondbacks. Six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Good to see some length there from Gonsolin. He typically doesn't go very deep into his starts. What do you think, Scott? Gonsolin, Severino, Alcantara, Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber's more rostered than you probably think he is. I couldn't put him on my sleeper pitchers list for this week. He was in line. He's another guy who picked up a second start with rotation shifting around over the weekend. So that's another reason to check back Sunday for those two-start pitcher rankings because Kluber was pretty high on it. And he did have a nice bounce-back start here. And yeah, he's pitched well except for the one awful start. I, I think he I think he deserves to be as rostered as he is. The others, of course, are... Widely rostered. Gonsolin, this was only his second six-inning start of the year, so he's pitched well. His ERA is, gosh, it's it's 136. <laughs> but this is only his second six-inning start. Now, he does have a 398 XFIP, but he has consistently had high XFIPs in his career and, and performed well in spite of them. So I think that's, you know, he's not going to have a 136 ERA forever, of course, but I, I do think he's going to remain a, a solid option for you. All right. Again, that is Tony Gonsolin. Let's wrap up to stream or not to stream. We'll start with Tuesday. Adrian Hauser versus the Braves. Chad Cool versus the Giants. James Caprillion versus the Twins. Tyler Anderson versus the Diamondbacks. Cody Poteet versus the Nationals. Uh, Tucker Davidson at the Brewers. And Reed Detmers at the Rangers. So it was reported that it was going to be Spencer Strider making that start instead of Tucker Davidson, but... Tyler Matzik went on the IL Monday night, so Strider was needed in relief. So we continue to wait for Strider to join the rotation, but it's it's nice that they were thinking about him anyway. <laughs> Getting back to the subject at hand, uh, I, I noticed you didn't put Josh Winder on this list. Isn't he starting Tuesday? Well... Because he would be the one. Let's see what MLB.com has to say because... If he was on the list, then I probably should have put him. But let's see. Yeah. Uh, the Twins. No. Dylan Bundy is returning tomorrow, and he will pitch. Ah. Okay. 
So forget that then. Uh, I guess Reed Detmers against the Rangers is the one to have here. Mm-hmm. Though I don't think he's a must coming off the no-hitter. Team Name Tuesday coming up in, in just a second here, but I do remember one from last year that we got. Cody Poteet yourself, which for the Parks and Rec <laughs> fans out there, it's, it's a pretty good one. I like that. Uh, Wednesday, to stream or not to stream, Nick Pavetta versus the Astros, Marco Gonzalez at the Blue Jays, Jordan Hicks at the Mets, Drew Smiley versus the Pirates, Dane Dunning versus the Angels. Jordan Hicks at the Mets is okay, but is he going to go enough to give you the win? And, and you know, it, the Mets are a pretty good team this year, so not a must, but that's my favorite of this group. Yeah, it's not the best. <laughs> I think we're going to stay away on Wednesday. Uh, let's wrap up, Scott. Team Name Tuesday. Feel free to leave a five-star rating on Apple and drop a team name in the review. We'll read it here uh, every Monday night, Tuesday morning. And, of course, you could email in some fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. These are from our Apple Podcast uh, reviews. Kirby Enthusiasm. That's an interesting use of Kirby because, you know, obviously you think of the the video game character Kirby. That's that's where I first go. Or maybe if you're a Twins fan, Kirby Puckett, something like that. Mm-hmm. But to to turn it into Kerbyor, that's a that's an interesting twist on it. I like it. I haven't watched Kerbyor Enthusiasm, but I've heard great things. These are look, Scott. You and I we're lost here. We're we're not getting these. I'll tell you that right now. Lil Uzi Vert themed. So someone out there might get these, and I hope you enjoy them. If you do, Real Baby Muto. And Paddock on my wrist. Okay. Alrighty. These uh, these are from our emails from Andrew Babiv Roberts. Okay. Like Bip Roberts. Yes. You know Bip Roberts? I don't, but it's funny because I, I have a friend, a very close friend, and his nickname is Bip. So I was like... Named after the baseball player, Bip Roberts? No, he's definitely not named after the baseball player, but... Uh, Former All-Star Bip Roberts, Bip 1992. Roberts. Hit 323 with 44 steals. That's pretty good. Yeah. This one's from Thurgood. Ward, I'm worried about the Bieber. That's from the show Leave It to Bieber, I believe. The wife's name Mm. is Ward or something like that. He explained it in the email. These are from Dylan, the big Gosman. The big boss man, maybe? Wrestler? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, Snell, though. Okay. (laughs) What happens? Yep. <laughs> this one's but know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know the the Royals have two wits now? Yeah. It's kind of confusing, right? Yeah. Because I'm I'm sure we've seen that team name with the other wit. Oh yeah. W H I T. Sure. This last one, worst case Rosario. Mm-hmm. Okay. These like are like scenario. Yes. From our uh from Jamie Campbell. He's in one of our podcast points league. He sent these over on Twitter. Old school rap edition. The Humpty France. Okay. Eloy and Payne. Okay. I left my wallet in El Machado. I don't know that one, but okay. Nothing but a McGee thing. Okay. Hold it now. Wit it. Like, wit it. He could have used either wit again. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Uh, Hyun Jin and Juice. That's okay. pretty good. I like that one. Uh, two wrestling-related ones for my marks out there. Love that Famhausen. Mm-hmm. which if anyone follows me on Twitter, you've probably noticed I got some clown paint on my face now. He's a wrestler, Dan Housen. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, it's it's very easy. Just YouTube him and you'll see a lot. Uh, one Winged Angle. That's also 
wrestling related. And our last one from uh, our buddy Cole. He's one of our moderators on the Facebook group, Kyle Badish. All righty. Who was quite bad on Monday. Hopefully, you were not brave enough to put him in your lineup like I told you to because. You didn't really do it, though, did you? I started him in Tower Wars, Scott. Uh. <laughs> no bueno. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.